0: Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back, the wolves of Ball Street. It is the Draft Act, motherfucking NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey <laughs> Tulliver. I am your host and I am here as always, this time for the, the full episode with mm. my guy, Albert, Garbage Time Game. Albert, how are we doing today?
1: Dude, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's good to be back. Uh shouts to Rucker for you know doing a half half job of um you know filling in for me last week. I know he what did he say when he came on? He was like, This is like <clears throat> this is like Michael Jordan coming off the <laughs> <laughs> the guy has the <laughs> deepest voice on planet Earth, but uh, uh, shouts to Roger, Berlin and uh, love you, brother.
0: He held it down, um, but this is not, you know, our traditional, you know, two-way match. It's another triple threat. Uh, we got a special guest, first-time guest. Uh, we, uh, I, I think for the first time, like, we had a, a really good combo when we held that uh, No Ceilings Twitter spaces. Uh, so, special guest joining the show for the first time. We have Stone Hansen. Uh, co-host of the Upside Swings podcast, Stone. What's going on, my man? How we doing?
2: Uh, doing well. <clears throat> uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I've enjoyed a lot of the No Ceilings content, um, so happy to be on your guys's podcast. Um, p- cool experience because I don't think I've been on No Ceilings uh, since you guys have been become No Ceilings. So this is sort of my my first intro to you guys, uh, but I'm I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, man, we're excited to have you and. Uh, I'm probably this this might be the most excited I've been about an episode because we're gonna cover Jaime Hawkes Jr., who is like one of my favorite prospects to, to watch in the class. Um, you know, he might not be the hottest name going around town right now, a little under the radar guy, but you know, fellas, we got we got some time until draft night, so we're we're trying to cover, you know, all the bases. Uh Jaime Hawkes Jr. is a U- UCLA wing. 20 years old right now, 21 years old on draft night, 6'7", 225, reported 6'9", to 6'10", wingspan, nothing official that I found. Um, This year, he is averaging 12.7 points per game, 5.6 rebounds per game, 2.1 assists to one and a half turnovers, Uh, half blocking game, 1.1 steals per game, shooting 46.5% from the field, 33.3% from deep, and 69%. From the free throw line, nice. True shooting percentage, 53.3%. He's got a PR, uh, 20.1. All right, stock price. Preseason, ESPN had him at 28. The Athletic had him at 21. Bleacher Report had him at 42. Uh, SB Nation didn't have him ranked. Uh, That is an average price, 40.6. Currently, ESPN has him at 50. The Athletic has him at 38. Tankathon has him at thirty-seven. Basketball News has him at forty-six. Bleacher Report did not have him ranked. No ceilings, guys. We had him at eighteen, so we we messed with the curve a little bit. But that's an average stock price of forty-two point four. So uh, draft stock actually not all that dissimilar to what it was earlier in the year. Went from forty point six to forty-two point four. So Stone, you're a guest. To let you go first. Is Haquez Jr. stock price too high, too low, or is it just right at 42.4?
2: Too low for me, I think. Um, I thoroughly enjoy what Haquez brings as somebody who I think is just a a really valuable contributor to winning basketball uh, when you watch him. And that at times I think can be difficult to verbalize, but I think. If you just look at the film and watch the tape, there's just a lot of things that he does at good, um, not great, that I think lead to winning plays. Um, and I would personally have him ranked probably in the mid twenties somewhere. Uh, I, I think he's a solid first round guy near the middle to end of the of the first, um, uh, because of the reasons I've I've already said.
0: All right, Albert, too high, too low, or just right?
1: Uh, I'm going to say too low, um, and the reason for that is. Uh, like on my board, which I haven't updated in a couple of weeks, but it is what it is. Um, I have him, where do I have? I guess I have him 18th, actually. So 40 to 18 is actually a pretty big difference, Um, which is actually where we have him at no ceilings, interestingly enough. Uh, I guess I'm right there in the median. But um, yeah, man, I I just, I really like him a lot. And like, I'm I'm just going to kind of resonate with what Stone just said. I, I think he offers a lot and, this episode may end up becoming just like a triple j uh love hour but um I, I he just does a lot of winning things on the floor and there's a lot to like and i feel like if you watch him i just can't understand what like why you wouldn't like him at the very least so yeah
0: yeah i'm going to triple that it's a low. He's a buy at this price. I think you're getting great value if, if you land him at that point. Uh, I looked at my big board, which I've updated pretty recently. Um, Been quite a bit of movement. It's going to lead to some exciting conversations, I'm sure, at the next no ceilings uh, big board uh, meeting. I'm at 19, so I'm right there with you. I think he's around that top 20 range. Yeah. Uh, just because, like Stone said, he does all these winning things. And also, I just think he's got like the right frame and skill set for where the game is and where it's heading. Um, and while he may not have that same standout elite skill that maybe uh, some of the other prospects in this draft have, he's one of these dribble pass shoot guys, and he defends. He's versatile. He's switchable. He's all the things we're going to get into that I think that if you can real if you get him in the- in that second round area, I think you're really getting a valuable contributor. Uh, and I think that I think he's going to probably kill interviews coming off two really successful seasons. And when he gets into like workouts and all this, I'm sure his body's going to look, uh, you know, chiseled and all that. I think that he, he might ultimately end up impressing one of these teams at the end of the first round that are maybe a little bit more ready to win now. And, and ultimately as a, a first rounder before we get into the scouting report, Albert, you saw him live. Yes. Right. Uh, you had a, an encounter, a close encounter with him up close and personal. Mm-hmm. What did he look like body wise? Um,
1: so the first night we were there in Las Vegas, Rucker and I, uh, we were on the floor for warm ups, and um, he came out of the bathroom and walked right by me. And I was like, Dear God, this guy's gigantic. Um,
0: and you're, and pretty I, and big, you're pretty tall, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm 6'2. Uh, six. Two, I'm somewhere six two, six two and a half. I don't know, but he was like legit, like five inches on me, and I was kind of looking up at him. But the thing with him, Corey, is it's just it's not just the height. What you just mentioned, the body, the like, just the physique that this kid has. He walked by, and I was like, oh, this is this is like Gordon Hayward in college. Like this guy, his shoulders were huge, and he just walked by, and I was like, wow, he's a physical specimen. So, um, I went into that tournament thinking about what you said and how you're like, Hey, you know, look out for Haquez and he totally won me over. So yeah, but it first started with him walking by from the bathroom. Um, the kid is, the kid is ripped. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. And that's what I wanted to hear. I wanted to, cause I think it, it comes across, across on screen, but you know, seeing so many of these guys in person, you know, like I just saw Jaden Hardy and right. Jaden Hardy, has an awesome frame like that dude's shoulders he's got shoulders like tatum but he's probably a little smaller than he's listed at like i don't oh. think he's much smaller but he looked more of that like tiny combo guard height rather than like legit shooting guard height um and that's valuable because a lot of times it, that that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily come across uh on on screen dyson daniels while he's fairly tall he's got the longest neck of anybody i've ever seen so i don't know what that means as far as what his like length is gonna equal out to or if he's just one of these guys who's got that extra the height that doesn't really matter functionally to uh basketball so uh the Hakez being the actual size for a guy that i think is going to be valuable in the nba is important all right stone uh we we love we love starting this the scouting report out with shooting you know, and I think a, a wing like Hakez, it's it's going to be one of uh, one of the swing skills for him. So, off the bounce, catch and shoot. What are your opinions on Jaquez as a shooter, and and how do you see him fitting in as a shooter in the league?
2: Yeah, um, I think the the motion, the mechanics, everything looks very clean to me. Um, I think a lot of his shooting flaws, I guess you could say, because um, they are below average in some respects, um, comes down to the arc on his shot. I feel like a lot of his shots are are pretty flat arcing. Um, they tend to be uh, very like level with the rim. And if you watch, a lot of his misses tend to come off the front of the rim because they just can't get over the, the top of the front of the rim. Um, so I think the low arc is sort of what is holding him back. Um, and I think that's something that is you know, pretty manageable at the next level when you get him in with a shooting coach um, over time. Uh, the other thing is is maybe, like, the elevation. Um, I feel like he doesn't get a ton of gravity off his shot, and that may be what's sort of leading to this uh, little arcing shot. Um, but, again, I, I feel like the mechanics, there's nothing really wrong with it. Um, there's not, like, too major of a hitch. Maybe a small hitch. I couldn't really tell. I don't know if that's something you guys picked up on. Um, sort of like in the upper end of his torso when he's shooting. Um, but uh, I, I think as like a fundamental base, the mechanics are okay. Um, they need some tweaking, like I said. And I think uh, the, the most concerning aspect of that to me is the, the shooting gravity, because that's something I just, I don't think is as easily fixable at the next level.
0: Albert, when you were watching him shoot around pregame, what did the mechanics look like?
1: Um, so for me, I, 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 I'm, I felt like Stone just read off my notes because he said so many of the things that I saw in person that you see on tape. Um, I thought the mechanics looked really, really good. When you watch him shoot in practice, everything looks fluid. He looks really confident. Um, Same thing in the games, to be honest, for me, when I was there watching him live. Uh, The thing that I did want to say, like Stone mentioned, um, except for me, like I saw a little bit of a hitch when he was taking free throws. I don't know if you guys felt the same. When he's at the free throw line, there's a little bit of a hitch I felt like when he kind of like takes like a weird hesitation with the ball by his face uh, was something that I noticed. And I was wondering maybe – uh, that's something he's got to work out and clean up a little bit. But overall, the the thing that Stone said about the shot being flat, I wrote it right here. I I totally agree with that. I was wondering actually. So I, what I wrote here in my notes, I was going to ask you, Corey. I was wondering if the shot being flat is a product of his footwork, or is it the lack of elevation? Or I, I was wondering what you saw and why he was flat. Because you see it a lot in like the one dribble, two dribble pull ups. Ah, uh, he'll be pretty flat on those, hit front and rim on those. Um, so obviously me, I'm not some shooting savants, shooting uh, guru. So I didn't want to ask you um, what you thought about that because, you know, there are times when it could be pretty short. Um, but as Stone mentioned, I do agree it is something
2: that I think he can fix, but wondering what you saw, Corey can you
0: hear me? Sorry. Can you guys hear me? All right. Um, I think that when you're talking about shooting and, like, why is somebody – I think it's uh, not always the same reason. I think it's you have to kind of individualize shooting and and breaking it down. I think for him, I I do think that the fact that he doesn't get a ton of elevation probably contributes to it. Uh, A lot of times it's as simple as guys just need to shoot up more um, instead of out. With Hawkes, uh, it, it probably like where it worries me that it's a little flat and front rimming. It isn't necessarily, um, something that I'm super worried about because I think consistent misses are are good problems to have because you can identify how to fix things. But uh, when you're, you know, a little bit flat and your front rimming sometimes misses at the college line, you know that there's an adjustment period when you're extending your range at the out back a couple of feet. So that that is a worry as far as like the shot being flat and it kind of also being short um, sometimes, but functionally, I think it's pretty smooth. Like I, I don't, I yeah. didn't necessarily notice any kind of hitch that made me go, "Oh, this is something specific he needs to fix there." Um, to me, it's just like him getting with a shooting coach, an off season of of NBA training and working out just the, the little things that he's got to fix to get that to an NBA level. But like, it's pretty smooth and it's just going to, for me, it's just reps. Um, You know, he's also not a guy who's launching a, like a ton of shots. So like uh, the volume and, and how he's getting his shots aren't always going to be like in a, a way that he can be super in rhythm with some of these things. So, because uh, he's very much so a guy who lets the game come to him. He's very rarely like forcing it, unless he really feels like he needs to, kind of go on a little stretch for UCLA. Um, but you know they're talented enough, and Juzang's kind of in that mode all always it seems. Uh, so I'm not really worried about his shooting. It's the the 33% is down a little bit from last year, but it's more in line with his first year. So it's it's probably around where he's going to average out. I don't think he's going to be a 38. 39 40% three point shooter anytime soon in the league but if he's at 35 36% three point shooter where you're going to close out on him you're not just going to let him shoot and brick open shots then that's going to lead to some of the other stuff that he does well and allow him to create so uh the shot i think is is something that will be a, a slow grind like he's even though i think he can um be a guy who can contribute early because he does so many things. I I don't think he's a guy that's going to come in and have like a Franz Wagner type impact to where you're like counting on him to be one of the the main guys on your team. And if you are counting on him to be one of the main guys on your team, that probably says more about the team that he went to rather than where he should be at in his, his development and you know um, how fast he, he started contributing. Let's talk about his kind of creation ability, and I'll kick it back to you, Stone. Um, do you think that at the NBA level, he's going to have, you know, again, not necessarily early, but, you know, a few years into the league, do you think he's going to be able to develop any kind of self-creation ability?
2: Uh, I don't think so, and I'm not sure it's not really by fault of his own. I think it's, or, or it is, I guess, but it's also by role, I think. Um, I don't think he's going to, have a lot of the same responsibilities that he does at the collegiate level than he does at the NBA level. Um, I'm thinking in terms of like actual role, not necessarily a player comparison, more along the lines of like a Kenridge Williams or like a Kyle Anderson, uh, who isn't necessarily gonna be taking like a lot of shots. Um, I, I think this is probably the, the highest amount of volume that Hawkins will be taking um, at the collegiate level right now. I don't think he'll ever have these sort of opportunities at the NBA level. Um, so I don't think self-creation is necessarily a huge knock on him uh, for the predicted role that I think he'll have in the in the league. Um, but I think against, like, maybe bigger forwards or if he's playing power forward, um, against some of the bigger guys that he can get a step uh, on them, his burst is pretty average, I think. Um, I think a lot of the athleticism is is sort of below average, but I think the burst is right about like an average level uh, in regards to his frame and size. Um, so I think against a bigger opponents, uh, if he's able to get switched onto them, he can take them to the rim. Uh, but I don't think a lot of like self creation from the perimeter and like step backs or anything are, are are things we should really be looking at for the given role that he'll probably have.
0: Hmm. I, I actually think that he's kind of an underrated athlete. Like, he's not like, um, let me go, you know, put it on your head type highlight athlete, although I do think he's capable of that sometimes. Uh, but I think, like, when he gets the ball and maybe not even first step, but just like off of a dribble, a little bit of momentum, I don't know if you'd consider it his first step maybe it's that in between his first and second step. Like I think he can kind of put turn on the NOS a little bit and he's got like sneaky, like blow by ability in a straight line. And I think like you see him like against Arizona, he was at the three point line at one point and he, you know, he finished with this like crafty little lefty layup, but he was there and at the yeah. the rim, like in a flash. So I do think he has the ability sometimes and it's a little sneaky because he is kind of a slower, more methodical player. But I like what you said about how he can kind of take advantage of, in that sense of like kind of more slow plotting, um, more traditional type big guys. Which you know, if you're marking him as as a four man in the league, uh, which I think he'll certainly play some of. There are going to be times when teams are playing you know a heavy switch scheme where he gets a five on him and I think he's gonna be able to take advantage of that but what I kind of like about him and again I don't think he's gonna be this high volume uh self-creation type guy but I do kind of think he's got old man pickup game where you know he's just kind of doing whatever he wants at times like just playing it by ear whatever the circumstances you know uh you go you want to go under on the screen all right I'll, I'll fuck it I'll pull up from behind the arc I'll, I'll knock down the three uh you want to put a big on me all right let me let me blow by you real quick i'll take advantage of it oh you're you're gonna put a, a point guard on me all right i'm taking you down to the block and i'm getting mine in the post uh so i do think like maybe not in the traditional sense of self-creation that you're thinking like Cade cunningham has has been kind of on a rampage with over the last month or so but kind of in like an advantageous oh i can get i got a mismatch right here like let me take advantage of the mismatch and kind of create a little bit this might be my time maybe when the ball swings guys are kind of late in rotations and now this is kind of my time to, to take advantage of stuff uh albert have you seen any of that stuff from from hakez this year
1: um first of all i want to say and this is something <laughs> that you know once again just being able to see him there on the floor so during warmups for every single game uh, they end, like, the drills portion of it with a Hakez dunk. So he's kind of relied upon a UCLA to be the athletic guy to go up and put a sick dunk. Um, <laughs> even though they have Peyton Watson, um, yeah. it's always Hakez who will end that portion of the warm-up with, like, a pretty sick dunk. So I did want to throw that in there as, like, maybe, like, a little bit of intel uh, to what you were saying, Corey. I think he definitely is sneaky athletic. Um, I-, I definitely agree with you in terms of, like, the quickness, too. Like, yeah, he, he doesn't have... A sick like ja moran first step or anything like that but he can get moving when he starts to get moving uh and he can get up in the air higher than i think you realize so once again like my player comp for him is not going to be gordon hayward but in that way where gordon hayward was sneaky athletic for i mean you remember early in his career he had some sick blocks some sick dunks stuff like that i think Hawkins can do a little bit of that obviously not as athletic at uh, or even as fluid as hayward in my opinion but um in terms of what you're saying in terms of like shot creation and stuff that's where i really agree and I, and what i wrote here is i think the thing that excites me the most and interests me the most about Hawkes is how multi-dimensional he is i I really like how you put it as he's kind of the old guy on the floor but i imagine him as like okay like you look at the phoenix suns right now and they have chris paul and then like kind of the other old guy on that team like jay crowder that type of guy we've seen jay crowder kind of be the old guy for a lot of different teams a lot of title contending teams like he did for miami um once again, that's not my comp either. But I I feel like Hawkes is going to be able to do a little small ball four. He's going to be able to play the three for you. He's going to be able to guard smaller guards. He's he's going to have the physicality to wall up against some bigger dudes. There's a lot that he's gonna he's going to be able to plug a lot of different holes by himself, which mm-hmm. is kind of what you want sometimes. You you want a Swiss Army knife. You want a multi-purpose cleaner what the hell am i saying but you get what i'm saying right and i and i think that's what's exciting about Hawkes. and i think in, in a draft like the one we're talking about and every time we talk about this draft in our group chat it's always about you know it's sneaky kind of like a really weak draft but also a strong draft like it's a weird draft and i think in a draft like this if you can find a guy who can solve multiple problems for you um, and he can do that effectively without being like a high-volume, heavy, and he-needs-the-ball-all-the-time type of guy, that's where you get really excited about Hawkes.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I was thinking today, like, when we were the the weirdness of this draft, and is it kind of weak once you get to the middle part of it or after a certain number? And I was kind of thinking of, like, context of that conversation and how we're day after day grinding tape of all these prospects and and sometimes we look at it and we're like oh this guy's playing well so like all right he's now a prospect or uh you know there's not enough guys playing well so this is a weak draft when maybe there's a guy like John Butler who's like not even on the radar a little bit but is just like an NBA team is not looking at his season from a like production standpoint like they're looking at some of the flashes that he's shown his physical profile and whatever he's going to like look like post college season and workouts interviews. And it's like, maybe he's a guy that we look at in the draft and it's like, Oh wow, there are a lot of good players in this draft. It just so happened that some of them weren't necessarily the guys we were talking about. Um, so that, that's something I have been kind of like toying with. Cause I do think there's some really interesting players in this draft that kind of fit the, you know the the long six eight six nine can do multiple things and maybe it doesn't mean there's going to be a ton of standouts that's certainly possible and a lot of people measure the success of a draft by how many you know stars there are but i do think there are interesting prospects um i do want to say that i love Hawkes jr's footwork uh as a and his craft i think he's yes. he's he's not like you know shangun level footwork when he yeah. uh gets towards the block, but I do think he's he's got pretty crafty footworks up and under, stuff like that. And then off ball activity. Uh kick it back to you, Albert. What do you what do you think about him as a cutter, off ball mover in space? Um
1: let's see, what's what's a yeah, what's the best way to put it? I I love it. I love it. Yeah. I I just I I really like he's just I love what you said about him being the old guy. He's a very savvy intelligent player and as you said like he knows he just knows where to be all the time it's not like a once in a while thing he always knows where to be and and it, and it speaks to his intelligence he's from camarillo california which is like 10 miles from where i work so he's 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 from a good part of uh southern california and the dude it he it just shows it all the time on the floor i think even when you watch him and how he works with juzang and juzang is a guy that i I really don't like very much Um, Rucker and I talked a lot (laughs) about Juzang in person. And we're like, I just, he might be, he might be like a G league guy and then go play in Europe type of dude. I'm not a big Juzang guy at all. Um, But, but but even when you watch, yeah, when you watch Hawkes work with Juzang, I I like that he doesn't really have an ego. You know, if I was Hawkes, I'd be like, bro, I'm better than you. Stop asking for the ball all the time. But Hawkes is not like that at all. No ego. He's always in the right spots. Also, Hakez, awesome screener. I love Hakez when he sets a screen. He knows how to use his strong base and a strong upper body. He sets some really, really good screens, and that kind of once again speaks to him and like his floor game and what he's able to provide, you know, off the ball as a guy without the ball in his hands. Um, I just, he's really intelligent. The IQ is really high with him, and I love him.
0: Yeah, I the screening, like I, I think he's gonna be with if, if you he goes to a creative coach like there's gonna be some fun like him as a screener pick and pop but then him yes. also like slipping into the short role and being yes. able to make you know plays because uh, i do think that at times you know he's a he's a pretty pretty fun playmaker uh stone passing playmaking probably not a huge part of his game at the next level but uh what have you seen from him as as a floor reader uh this season
2: yeah. Um, I actually like his passing. Um, I think he's a very accurate passer. Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of just cerebral players. So that's probably why I'm so in on Hawkes. like you guys. Um, I had JRE like top 20 last year. I, I just love these kind of players. Um, I think that he's I, part of it goes back to the creation. I just don't think he's somebody you're going to really look to be like any sort of initiator at the next level. So yeah, um, I think he's a good passer for what his role will probably be at the next level. Um, I think that he's very accurate. Like I said, uh, a lot of his passes um, are not as much as a premeditated thing as a lot of these cerebral guys usually are. I think he has a lot of read and react type passes that are really nice. Um but yeah, I, I I'm not sure how I feel about it just because, like I said, I I think it's good for the role he'll be in. Um, I just don't know if you want to really put more responsibility on him as sort of a creator and, and passer, uh, than is needed. I guess if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so I think in a minimum in a minimal passing role, he'll he'll excel a lot in it.
0: No, that totally makes sense. I think that he's one of these guys that people like like to call connectors. Like, uh, you know, he's going to be able to move the ball, get it to where it needs to go. He's not going to be walking the ball up the court, running high spread pick and roll and trying to get downhill like Luca or anything where he's, you know, making weak side reads. But uh, if the ball swings to him in, in the strong corner, he takes his guy off the bounce. Like I do think he's capable of seeing guys cutting on the floor or, you know taking advantage of wherever the the help has has over to so again it's all it all goes back to just like the dude's just a fucking basketball player and it doesn't it's so hard to define that and um it, it's not sexy and it's not like necessarily the most exciting thing to you know be threading on like twitter or something but it's just, like I would want that guy on my team. Like I would love to play with him. He's not, he's, he would just be a fun guy to play with. Cause he's always gonna like do what's the right thing is for the team. Even if it isn't in the, you know, benefit, most benefit of him, he's, he's going to make the right play. Uh Switching over to the other side of the ball. <clears throat> Cause I think that for a player like him, you know, this is another one of those things where he's, it's going to make or break him in the league. Cause he doesn't have, the standout skill he you know he's not he doesn't have Kispert shooting to fall back on right so he's he's if you're a jack-of-all-trades guy you probably have to be able to be a jack-of-all-trades on both sides uh Albert on the ball um what position at the next level do you think he's going to best be able to defend
1: um I think he can guard two to four um and the reason why I say two to four is because I've seen him guard some ones and you know, he, he's trying his best, but yep. can't keep up with all of them. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not. And, uh, you know, as much as I want to love him and he preys on him, I, I have to be objective. And there are a couple times you see him get matched up on smaller guards and they kind of send him the wrong way um, mm-hmm. by a lot. And, and that's okay because – I, I, I don't think we have to keep – we, we don't have to hold every damn prospect to, like, the best of the best always. Um, mm-hmm. I like the fact that he can be really versatile defensively. Um, some some of the things that I wrote in my notes here, I think he's a functional athlete like we talked about before. Um, I think he, ha- he has good feet defensively, but he does struggle against quicker guards. Um, I like the discipline that I saw with his hands. That's something that I did want to give him praise for. Mm-hmm. And the fact is if you look at his time in college, his fouls have come down and this year he's guarding a lot of the top guys on the other teams and he's averaging 1.6 fouls per game, which is down from last year, which I think he deserves a lot of praise for. When I saw him play against Gonzaga, there were times he's matched up against Timmy. He's matched up against Holmgren. He's matched up against Strother, like all different guys, you know, even, even like um, I forgot their Hickman or whatever, you know, all those guys. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I wanted to say, there were a couple of times that he just kind of bullied Holmgren into mistakes There was one where Holmgren was kind of driving baseline and Hawkeyes just put his chest out and Holmgren kind of flew out of bounds. And it wasn't a foul. He was just stronger than him, you know, and those moments are cool. And then he he was trying to guard Timmy and Timmy, you know, kind of give him a hard time. But those are the little those are the little things you want to see. Can he guard those bigger guys? Can he guard the smaller guys? I think he can. So for me, like two to four is my answer. Um, because I think he can guard twos. I think he can guard threes and fours, but you know, the ones and the fives, he might struggle a little bit, but that's okay. I I still think he's a really solid defender and he's going to be good. Uh, That's going to be one of his strengths on the next level.
0: Yeah. I, and even twos, I think at the next level, it's not like the ideal position for me defensively. Like I don't necessarily want him to like have to check Bradley Beal or, (laughs) you know, one of those kind of guys, uh, for 20 minutes a game. Um, although this year, the way Bradley Beal shoot just go under on the screens. Right. Um, but I do think that like him being kind of that three, four kind of guy that can really like guard up and be able to bang with, with guys and hold his ground. I think he's got a, a strong core, strong lower body to even match up with that, that good frame. Uh, like you said, he's got quick hands and I think he's got good timing. So, um, I think that helps him there. Uh, the foot speed, like you said, I, I hope he doesn't get matched up on, you know, uh, these like NBA point guards that are just yeah. can go zero to 60 in no time flat, which is significantly harder to guard than, uh, you know, Nolan Hickman in college, uh, with way less space. But I, I do think he's going to be able to play in a, 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 versatile switchable scheme for, for teams and, and give good minutes. um, what about you stone where where are you at with with defensively
2: um for the most part i liked it i think it's a little bit of a mixed bag with him um in some regards uh i i agree with you guys i think threes and fours is is probably the ideal situation although i tend to probably lean the other way where i think he can guard up to maybe small ball fives just because of his strength um i think he's really comfortable using it and knows how to use it pretty well for the most part so um I would be more comfortable with him guarding fives than I would guarding twos most likely at the next level. Um, I think uh, screen navigation is something he has to work on a little bit. Uh, I think defensive screen navigation is sort of a flaw in his game right now that um, I think would greatly benefit him as a defender and uh, allow him to sort of take another step uh, in that regard. Um and I think part of to uh, what Albert was saying where his decrease in fouls this year goes uh, sort of hand-in-hand hand with uh, the fact that he's closing out not super aggressively. Um, I think that's sort of the, the cerebral part of his game coming into play where he realizes that if he jumps on a lot of these, these jump shots uh, to sort of contest it in the air, um, that he's just not going to be able to recover because of his lack of foot speed. Um, so he plays it safe and generally does not jump on a lot of these contested jump shots. He puts his hands up, which is what he needs to do, uh, but he won't go in the air a lot of the time because he just knows that he's not going to be able to recover um, with with his lack of foot speed, Um, and I think that is sort of what is maybe helping in terms of the the lack of fells. Also, I think that uh, he's a pretty good gap closer on switches Um, If he's switching with his uh, man defensively, I think a lot of the times he's really good at taking up that airspace uh, between that switch. Um, Something that I really liked with JRE last year as well. Um, Probably the difference for me, the big difference on what would make uh, Hawk as sort of like a a real difference maker on that end um, would be sort of the pre-positioning for me. Um, I think uh, with ones and twos, especially if you want to project him as being able to guard those sort of guys, Uh, that he's going to need to get better in terms of pre-positioning his feet. Um, A lot of the times I think he sort of hedges too aggressively on one way or another, and it allows the guard to get a step that he can't afford to lose on that guy. Um, So if he's able to sort of hedge without giving up that step and and angling his body a little bit differently uh, so that he can use his strength to seal them off, I think that would greatly benefit him as a defender.
0: Mm. I agree. I agree. Um, Let's talk about his off ball defense um albert what what do you think he, about has kind of as a, a a team defender overall which is man pro, it's at the nBA level you know team defense is is really difficult and uh for a guy like him it's gonna be you know just as important as uh one- on one stuff so what do you what do you think about him just overall on a string defense
1: um yeah no so first off i want to say i really liked uh stone's breakdown right there i feel like i learned so much um like even like the gap stuff that you were talking about i was thinking about I was mm-hmm. like oh yeah that's that's such a good point like i i hadn't even thought about that with Jaquez, but i definitely agree with that um I, I i don't know like something what as stone was talking and you're talking about you know the different things with him i i was wondering like do you guys feel like at times his defense gets affected by some of the load that he's carrying offensively like i think about that game against gonzaga and juzang was really struggling they couldn't really find offense anywhere and hawkes was like really trying to create something whether it was off the dribble or just taking shots or he was moving all over he's doing a lot and i was wondering like even in that game we were standing i was standing with rucker and we were actually standing with like the play-by-play guy for gonzaga like the tv guy i don't remember anyway we're we're talking and stuff but I was wondering if some of the team defense, like the off-ball defense stuff, I, I felt like there were times where I saw him kind of like trying to recharge and regain, like kind of recharge his battery, and there was like little lapses of focus. Like I remember he like let up like a backdoor cut in, and I was like, oh, that's not the best. But I also wondered like, oh, is he just kind of exhausted from trying to guard Timmy and Holmgren and all these guys? Was kind of my thought um, while watching some of UCLA's games. Wanted to ask you guys how you guys felt Um, if maybe, it, you know, that that's like a I don't know, like a small sample size type of thing that I saw, Uh, because I, I did feel like there were times when he I don't want to say float because I don't believe he floats. But I, I think there were some times where there was like maybe like a lack of focus, maybe a lack of discipline um, was how I felt. So wanted to get your feedback on that.
0: I think in that specific case in like the Gonzaga game, that was the game where he took by far, like, his most amount of shots yeah, in the season. Yeah. Like, uh, he's been a pretty low-volume guy most of the year, typically, mm-hmm. and he was at – he had 22 shot attempts that night, um, whereas he's, like, really been over, I don't know, like, 10, not, not too many other times. Uh, so I do think that probably – has a little bit something to do with him looking tired. Cause like you said, he probably did feel the need to put the team on his back a little bit more in that circumstance. Um, I, I do think that like he, his conditioning sometimes seems like something that is going to affect him at the next level. Hmm. Uh, I, I think that he has like a good NBA frame, but I don't know if it's the perfect NBA body yet. Like mm-hmm. I know like, some of the video you took of him warming up, like I'm not like he did look pretty fit and you know, you saw him in person, you know, when he was like warming up without the Jersey and whatnot, right. like, and so, you, you know, I'm sure he looked pretty, pretty good in person. You know, it's again, it's hard to tell. Like uh, when I saw Keegan Murray the other night, um, again, he, he didn't warm up with his Jersey on either. I was like, wow, I can't I kind of can't believe he's as slim as he is. Cause he doesn't really mm. come across that way on TV to me. Like, um, but he was like super lean, so uh, you know sometimes maybe it, that the TV puts on that little, the ten extra pounds, whatever. But I think Hawk is definitely going to have to like get more MB- in, in NBA shape, and maybe more that, cardio. Maybe that's nutrition, um, whatever it is. Maybe yeah, maybe more cardio. I don't know. Whatever, whatever his trainer, his draft trainer tells him to kind of mm. do. I think that probably has to do with it sometimes too. I don't
2: know if I'm alone there. No, um, I a hundred percent agree. Conditioning is something I think that Hawk is, is really going to have to work on at the next level. Um, I think for lack of a better term, he's a, he's a little bit doughy. It seems like, yeah. Um, I, <laughs> uh, it, it, this might sound a little weird, but I kind of wish I could see him with his shirt off just to sort of <laughs> see what his cores looks like. Because, um, I feel like a lot of the time, a lot of his strength-based advantages that he creates is mm-hmm. with his chest and not so much with his his core or with his torso, um, and I'm not quite sure how much of that has to do with conditioning or how much of that just has to be with him sort of learning to better utilize his body. Um, I will say defensively, uh, at the next level, I think a lot of the times he's going to be probably the fourth or fifth option for the team that he's drafted to while he's on the court. Um, And I think that will sort of for a better uh, for better will be for the better because um, he won't be expending as much energy offensively, which I think he carries quite a heavy load right now uh, for UCLA and allow him to be a lot more of the hustle guy that he really is. Um, And I think that's also, again, sort of playing a part uh, into why he gets uh, sort of burnt out at the end of games, because you notice it too. Uh, with the shooting uh, a lot of times near the end of games they're even flatter shots than they are <laughs> when he started the game mm-hmm. um so i i do think conditioning is uh something with hawk is to keep maybe an eye on not necessarily be worried about um because it's generally just not a worry i have with a lot of nba guys like uh, to be in the nba you have to be sort of an elite athlete at some point right um so I think he'll be fine in that regard, uh, especially with a reduced role offensively.
1: I think, um, oh, sorry, (laughs) really quickly, really quickly, Corey. I I definitely think Stone, I I know you're not saying that he's Sean May uh, for sure. (laughs) But um, the thing I will say, though, guys, I saw him without his jersey on. He's wearing, you know, like the Under Armour, like really tight tank top. He doesn't have a belly. You know, he is really, really fit. I think what you guys are getting to though is not so much that he's like overweight or anything, but it, I really do think it might straight up just be the cardio aspect of it. Yeah. Like maybe the kid has to start marathon running or like just running laps in the neighborhood. I have no idea what it is, but like when you Tone look it at up. His, yeah. But like when I saw his physique, like he might look doughy on TV, but he's not very doughy in person. Like I can yeah. actually confirm that. But I yeah. think what both of you guys are saying is like, you know, maybe he's got to hit the treadmill a little bit more, a little bit more of the bike, you know, a little bit more cardio. I I, I think I'm definitely with you guys on that.
2: Yeah, um, that's, you know, an advantage. I'd, I'd love to be at as many games as I could. Um, right now, it's just not as much of an opportunity for me. Uh, but I, seeing him in person definitely could change my mind. I think that's one of the advantages of, you know, as opposed to watching film and, and being there, is you're able to port, sort of pick up on the smaller things. Um, that can make a difference uh, at, at points, but like I said, I think with Hawkes, it's not a huge concern of mine. Uh, yeah. Just because you're an in, like PJ Tucker, for example. Um, not, not I'm not comparing them as players or anything, but you know he's he's a little thick around the edges, and he's done just fine for himself. He's able to keep up in you know overtime games and things, so it's not a huge concern of mine.
0: Yeah, he seems like his car. He's like he's one of the guys where he, like his his cardio is like he'll go play pickup for a couple hours and it's like a different thing than like a runner's build is right like uh which i'm a big fan of because you know doing cardio blows and playing pickup is really fun so um i do want to shout out his uh, i feel like he's had he has some really fun uh shot blocks a lot of times i I think like yeah a, a lot of times you don't really see it coming and then like he's not just getting a tip on the ball he's like coming over and just like swatting somebody's shit which is fun uh and before we we move on to like um you know comps whatever i i do also want to say with some of uh maybe i should have mentioned this back like the shooting consistency and stuff ucla had a has had a weird season due to due to COVID. like they had like a three week break maybe like off yeah. just no games or whatever and i do think that like when you're looking at some of the numbers and whatnot, that's like a weird thing to deal with in the middle of a basketball season that traditionally doesn't happen um, with postponements and stuff. And that's why uh, some of this, some of the the draft evaluations last year, this year, I think are going to. There's going to be some weird outlier stuff in a few years that we see from it because so many of these guys are. Like just dealing with such weird developmental um just day to day like they're just missing stuff that they would get consistently in more normal times all right, um if you're buying stock in Jaime Jaquez Jr, who may you have bought stock in previously, Albert, let's start with you
1: all right, this is my i I've given some of the weirdest comps on this show and I'm very proud of that. I have no shame in giving weird comps, yeah. um and I know that most of my comps come from the '90s and the early 2000s, and this is one of them. But I, I'm telling you guys, I feel the most confident about this comp out of all my other comps because I think I finally nailed one, like right on the head. Now I thought of like modern day players. I thought of Eric Pascal. I thought of Jay Crowder. I thought of like like minor league Gordon Hayward, like random things, right? My mind was all over the place. And I was like, no, no, no. Let me stick to my roots. I thought of a nineties guy who, and I want to really explain this to you guys, because I think he had two chapters to his career. He had a nice stint in Boston where, you know, he was averaging like 15 points a game was a really good player. And then he moved to Los Angeles and became like a supporting role player. I don't know if you guys have picked up who I'm trying to get at now, but he's a three time champion. He's been on TV a ton, doing different shows. I'm talking about Rick Fox. I, <laughs> I think Hakez reminds me a lot of Rick Fox. Now, uh, hear me out, okay? Rick Fox was never a superstar. Um, he had a couple good seasons in Boston. Then he moved to LA, and then you know he was a you know a supporting role player there, but a very important part. Of the Los Angeles Lakers winning three titles, you know, he was never, you know, the first three, four guys you mentioned on that team, but he was essential. He was a a really solid bench player. He helped them out in a lot of different ways, whether it's defensively, even offensively, he'd go in and have a random dunk and move the ball and, you know, work that triangle offense. My guy is Rick Fox, because I feel like Hawkins can have that type of career where he's going to be like a number three, number four, number five type of guy on a contender. He's going to be able to do a little things. Maybe he has one season where he averages 13, 14 points a game, maybe even up to a Rick Fox, 15 points a game. But eventually, I think he'll end up on a really good team and support that team and do a lot of really good things. So this is weird. I get it. You guys may not agree with me. But this is the one I'm most proud of because I really feel like he could have a Rick Fox type of career. I went deep in my bag this week.
0: Look, if Hami Hakiz Jr. can have half of the IMDB credits that Rick Fox (laughs) ended up having, (laughs) then I think that is a big time win. I mean, Eddie Holes, Mm -hmm. he got game. Come on.
1: Wasn't he on Oz too?
0: He was. I think so. <laughs> I, his IMDb is actually shockingly long. Like yeah. like handsome dude. Like even acting like in the last few years, he's got credits like <laughs> shockingly long like i'm still scrolling from when i started talking about him on imdb
2: i think the only reason i know this is because of my mom but i think he's like in half of the hallmark movies that are on every christmas wow respect (laughs) respect that's the only reason i know that's because of my mom but (laughs) all
0: right uh albert you did it you really did it um stone do you have uh do you have any (laughs) <laughs> any players uh, that that uh, Hawkins reminds you of
2: um, yeah so I'm generally not one for like 1v1 player comps but I'll try sure. my best to compare a role maybe mm-hmm. um, for me, I think Kenridge Williams sort of fits the bill really well. Um, somebody who's good at every or not everything good at a lot of things and not necessarily bad at a lot either um, who you're you feel comfortable putting out there for 20 25 minutes a game and giving you positive uh, contributions in various areas. Um, I, I I think sort of a lot can be said for the same with, uh, with Hawkes. Another guy, um, again, not a 1v1 comp is, is JRE from last cycle, who I already mentioned, uh, a lot to do with just a very cerebral player. He uses their strength very well with a lack of foot speed. Um, I think there's some parallels there, but again, it's not necessarily a 1v1 comp with those two guys
0: either. Yeah. And you know, 1v1, 1v1 comps are not, uh the right way to evaluate yeah. anybody because you yeah. know cloning isn't real um so yeah for <laughs> me like i went a lot less creative uh certainly than than albert um but i do think cuz i'm i'm big on movement and just kinesthetics and i really think hakez moves very similarly to gordon hayward yeah, uh, yeah. Gordon Hayward is the, you know, he was an all-star level player, uh, probably like a low level, you know, like all NBA third team kind of guy at his peak. So I'm definitely not projecting that on Haquez but when I watch him on the court, the way he can, he gets around, gets to some of his spots and whatnot really reminds me of, uh, Gordon Hayward. Like I said, not the good version, maybe like the version that uh, you know, was post-injury in Boston, kind of figuring himself out, but was still able to kind of contribute and do some things. I think Haquez will probably look a little bit more decisive in what he does than that version of Gordon Hayward, who was trying to figure himself out. But that kind of impact where you're not getting like really fancy, like the 26 and five type of stuff that Gordon Hayward was doing, but like maybe at, Hawkes's peak you're getting a guy who is like you said 12 13 points per game maybe he's averaging five like maybe he has stats similar to like kind of what he's doing now just in the league which is just a little bit of everything um but definitely not leading your team but uh definitely a guy who could be a contributor to you know a deep playoff run down down the line um do you think that there's any volatility to a Jaquez pick stone
2: um no in the sense that i think he's a very safe bet yes in the sense that um maybe you down the line regret not taking a player with higher upside um but in this class particularly um i know you guys mentioned sort of briefly that you uh, it may be a weaker class. I'm very, very low on this class as a whole. Um, and I think taking somebody like Hawkins, you can feel really safe about being um, a positive role player on your team is worth taking in the first round. Um, and I think from that standpoint, if you feel really safe about a player, the volatility level is pretty low.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. I, yeah. I And I, I just know that he's going to play on good teams. Like, right. yeah, you might miss out on a guy behind him that you take that uh like maybe your franchise just was not in a position to to take the risk like maybe you just needed a guy to kind of be another valuable player to a team instead of like striking out again because it's for every you know guy who goes after him that maybe outperforms him at, at a certain point like there's gonna be a bunch of guys that maybe teams swung on you know swung on and missed on so uh, to me he is he is a safe bet to to be a solid NBA player and you know I know you know I mentioned it on Twitter like it's really hard for me to f- think there's gonna be 20 guys in this draft that are gonna end up being better NBA players than him. whether that comes before where he's selected or after, I feel like 20 is kind of that over under of where I'm at. And granted, you know, you're typically not getting 20 guys in a draft who are going to be around 10 years from from now. So ultimately, that might mean, you know, he's one of those guys, but there's not many guys I would bet on long term. All right, Albert, it's time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, you know what time it is. Mm -hmm. Everybody's favorite segment. America's been waiting. (sighs) It's time to sell me this pen on Jaime Jaquez Jr.
1: First off, I want to say I'm feeling a little rusty. I feel like I haven't done this in a while. Um, I feel like Rucker decided to just come in and take this from me last week, uh, like the scum (laughs) that he is. Um, But I love Rucker. I I hope our listeners know there's there's no animosity between us, except we hate each other. Um, But I will say um, with Jaime Jaquez, there's a lot to like. Listen, look, if you're a team, let's say you're – Drafting in the eighteen to twenty range, twenty two range, you're 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 a contender. You're a playoff contender. You're either in the play in game or you're you're getting knocked out in the first round. You need a little spark. You need a little extra juice to kind of get you over the hill, right? Uh, there are a lot of teams in that in that bracket that I won't I won't want to I don't want to mention because I don't want our fans giving us three star reviews on Apple uh, Podcast for no reason. But I'll <laughs> say this, okay? Hakez uh, is a guy that's going to come in. He's not going to demand the ball. He's not going to be a diva. He's going to quietly come in, do his job. He, as I mentioned, he's from Camarillo, California. He's a man of good character. I've never met him, but I know he's probably a man of good character from a good neighborhood. Uh, he's going to do really smart things on the floor, and eventually over time, right, with development, with NBA coaching, NBA conditioning, you know, after all the fat shaming that Stone did of Hockey <laughs> today. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, you know, with, with all that conditioning and dieting and all that stuff, jacques is going to become a guy who's going to be a very valuable contributor to a very very good team and so look if you're a nba front office executive and you're interested in a player like that and you should or else you shouldn't be an executive draft Hawkes. you're going to be happy with him as stone mentioned he's not a high ceiling you know one day he'll become larry bird that's not jacques but if you want a guy who's going to help you potentially win a championship one day he's the type of guy you should take a bet on so uh, that's my spiel on Hawkes.
0: Solid head of hair, not oh, Josh yeah. Giddy level, but solid. Mm-hmm. He's pretty close to looking like a Vaude villain. <laughs> he's got to. I think if he goes for like the curly mustache. Yeah, I think really he has to cool. grow the stash out. He's got to <laughs> grow the stash out a little bit more, so he can get the, the you know, when you could start waxing it a little bit. Yeah, uh, you know the the goatee he's got to shape it a little bit. That's it. That's where the, you know, the money is going to be for him. And yeah. In, Strong eyebrows. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I, f- I know people. Yeah. People can't always see me on at least my podcast, but uh, I feel like I'm sort of fitting this hook is built a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I will say to the, when, when Albert was sort of describing him, another sort of comp in terms of role that I think, Sort of fits with Hawkes is, um, is maybe a Tory Craig, um, oh nice yeah, someone who is comes off the bench but gives you positive minutes pretty much the the entirety that he's in the game. So, um, in a in a minimized offensive role, but um, somebody who's going to bring the rebounding and defense and uh, the hustle yeah. plays. So um, that's just a sort of a late late name that popped in my head. That's a good one.
0: Love it, yeah. love it. All right, guys, we did it. Another episode of the Draft Act. Before we get out of here, Stone, tell all of the people where they can find you on um, the WWWs.
2: Yeah, um, pretty much all of the draft work that I do, I'll be posting on my Twitter, which is at report underscore court. Um, The majority of my draft work consists of the Upside Swings podcast that I host uh, alongside um, two or sometimes three great co-hosts that it's always a blast doing, Coming up, we'll have tons of content on uh, March Madness. What we usually do: uh, about a hundred players that we break down as prospects, and then we'll do the thirty podcasts in thirty days where we talk about each team and, and what players would be good fits for them. Um, we also have an up, uh, Upside Swings TikTok uh, and Twitter. You can follow at Upside Swings. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me.
0: Let's go! Look at that that's awesome. TikToks. The TikToks, TikTok,
2: yeah, uh, that's where it's it's been, at.
0: People sleep on it, man. The yeah. organic reach on that yeah. thing is crazy. It's crazy. For sure, I did a video about Corey Kispert that had over forty thousand views on Corey Kispert. <laughs> <laughs> people love <laughs> white shooters, man. There's no reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> Albert, where can the people no. on the internet find you?
1: Uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter, uh, crying about the Knicks constantly. You can find you me are. at GTG NBA. <laughs> Uh, I want to do something before we go. I want to do something that I rarely ever do, if ever. Wanted to give a shout out to somebody other than us. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. wearing uh, this hoodie here. I don't know if you guys can tell. This is a hoodie sold by NBA Paint. I'm sure you guys oh, know yeah. the NBA Paint Twitter account. This is an RJ Carrot hoodie, <laughs> which is freaking brilliant. It's awesome, and um, I had to buy a hoodie. And I and I messaged him on Twitter because I sent the freaking wrong address, and he was super cool. He hooked me up. <laughs> And he's like, bro, thanks for the support, blah blah blah. Really cool guy. But just wanted to give him a shout-out because this hoodie is like so freaking cool. And I give this shout out to NBA Paint. I don't know if you'll ever hear this, but I give the shout-out to say for our fans out there, you know, no ceilings. We're gonna have merch too. It's coming. Yes, we don't know when, but it's coming. So when it does, please spend your dollars with us. And so uh that's it for me.
0: I yeah, love me- the love the the NBA paint. He just NBA on TNT the other night, did the whole the whole show i'm not yeah. gonna lie you you got the whole la streetwear scene out there i thought it was like <laughs> an uh like a it was Anwar carrots that that brand oh yeah, yeah on yeah, fairfax yeah. that's what yeah. i thought it was but that's dope too rj carrots is cool you know um maybe
2: Hawkes will be on uh be on an nba paint merch one day Ooh, yeah <laughs> we have to it's think good. of a pun eventually
0: i'm sure there's one that uh, he's probably so good he's probably just got a million of them but like i said it's like a hawk like a bird like it. a hawk <laughs> Hawk yeah, it. there you go. Get it. There you go. You you make it the little, you know, the beard yeah, and the mustache. mustache it's yeah, it's got to it get is. on it. It's branding. It's like a. It's like the, the brow. And uh, you can find me at Corey tulliba on Twitter at the NBA Draft Dude on YouTube and on TikTok. Um, and uh, you know, guys, it's time. If you haven't yet, you know, give us a rating, man. You know, on Apple, on Spotify now. You can give us on Spotify. Hell yeah. You know, if you made it this far, why not? Uh, Support the show helps out a lot. Uh, If not, that's cool too. We appreciate you guys rocking with us. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until that time, we are out. Peace.